episode 266, Cloak and Dagger, season one, episode 10, Colony Collapse. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello again. This is another episode of Welcome to Level 7. And it's not just any other episode because this is the finale, the season finale of Cloak and Dagger. And what does that mean? Well, it means we're going to have to wait a long time before we see another episode of Cloak and Dagger. It also means that I, Ben, Ben Avery, am not here alone. I'm here with another member of the Divine Pairing. And that would be... Agent Still from... I'm in Kansas City right now. But I'm a Divine Pairing? Well, I mean, you're the one who's here. <laughs> that's, so. that's true. Is this like the the... The Power Twins? No, what were they called? The Wonder Twins. The Wonder Twins. The Wonder Twins like who that? would have their power that would activate, yeah. yeah. Form of? No, no, no. Lightsabers. Uh, no, I, I was I was going more towards the actual divine pairing of the Marvel show that we're here to talk about. Not oh. the Not the Wonder Twins from the DC Super Friends show that we're not here to talk about. No, because we don't talk about DC on this show. It's never happened before. Although, well, no, it's it's relevant to the interest, you know. It's, ah, it's relevant. <laughs> but um, but no, it's not what we're here to talk about today. No, today okay. is Colony Collapse, which is the season finale. Uh, season two of Cloak and Dagger has been promised, and so this is not the series finale. Although. Uh, if it was, it would work. It would work in as much as I would be sad and I would want more. So I guess that works. <laughs> they they left a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of dangling plot holes. I, I feel like there's only a couple and I mean, we'll, we'll talk about them when we, when we get yeah. to them, but, um, and I'm going to ask you very specifically is if, if it wasn't a season two, would you want this plot dangle? <laughs> Well, no, I don't want any plot dangles like that's, okay. <laughs> um, but I, I don't mind like this is closer to what I would like in a season finale than we often get because sometimes what we get, you know, is, is that cliffhanger where, oh, it's never going to be resolved ever because it's canceled or something like that. Or one out for Agent Carter. Yeah, no, seriously. And you know, this is closer to that. Well, we've 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 tied up all the loose ends, and yes, are there more? Is there more to deal with? There is potentially, but there's not like a huge cliffhanger that we're waiting. Right. You know, th- this is not something where oh man, what's going to happen next episode? Because this did not end. You know, like you know, best of both worlds, next generation. I was just gonna mention that. Yeah, I was literally waiting for a pause of the conversation to go and talk about the best cliffhanger that has ever happened where he goes fire and then you wait three months seriously and and we were there you know like 
we scarred for life. We talked all <laughs> summer. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And, I know. and you know, that was one of the first cliffhangers that I've been aware of, you know, in my own TV viewing where I was, Oh my goodness, what's going to happen here. And then if there was not a season, uh, f- was it four? Yeah. Yeah. Season four of star Trek, uh, next generation, that would have been awful. You know, it well, I think there was, I think there was, I mean, you know, hindsight being 20, I think there was a season four on the books. I'm um, ready to go. It was unsure whether or not Patrick Stewart would come back for Jean-Luc Picard. Right. Right. And so this was set up where he could die mm-hmm. or he could he live. Could die. Yeah. <laughs> but if he lived, which we all expected, that was a good cliffhanger because it was just how, how is he going to get out of this? You know how, and if, mm-hmm. if they would have started season four with, <laughs> with Riker just flat out killing Captain Picard. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I would have been quite as enthusiastic about next generation as I ended up, you know, continuing to be. Can you imagine that? <laughs> that whole show. No, I thought about that. A, a right turn, like down this very dark path. Riker's all sad. He plays his trombone very sadly. Oh yeah, seriously. I mean, it would have been a completely different show, but here with cloak and dagger with this, there is enough, like the big bad problem is taken care of and they don't Mm -hmm. really introduce another problem with more mysteries that, uh Oh, what, what's going to happen now? They do introduce more, you know, some, they, they introduce a couple problems for next season that they're going to have to deal with. It definitely feels like it's going into an act two. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where like a lot of the stuff that happened in the end of this episode is setting up stuff that's going to have to be resolved in the beginning of next season. Or not. I mean, cause some of it is just, here's some new normal for us with, with uh, where, where Tandy is and where, where Tyrone is. Okay, I think we'll get to that in a minute. But do you want to talk about news first? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do that real quick because mm-hmm. I want to talk about this episode. Yeah. So Some news. So the, the main the main news is uh, people at Netflix have revealed not the actual date, but a general date for Daredevil season three. And that is this year, which means that 2018 has seen all four of the original defenders shows in their own season. Right. This, so this year, Luke cages, Luke cages, uh, Jessica Jones was earlier. Luke cages is happening sort of current currently, it, right? It released very, very recently. Yeah. Right. And iron fist season two is coming soon. And then daredevil season three is coming even later. Yeah. I'm but expecting be, a November, but, yeah. but yeah, but the, but this year. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's interesting. And mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. That's that's some news. I mean, it's kind of a slow time for news right now. I mean, we're we're anxiously everybody's anxiously waiting for something about Avengers Four. I thought it would have been with the maybe it'll be when the DVD is released. But the digital's released, so yeah. you can <laughs> run that right out and hit your iTunes up for that. It's well worth it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you're mentioning a an extra there was, is a there is a director's roundtable with uh, Joss, all the directors, except for Kenneth Branagh, 
I think. And then whoever did um, Doctor Strange wasn't there, but there's lots of MCU directors. John Favreau's there, Taika Waititi's there, Patton, Peyton Manning. No, he's a football player. Yeah, the guy who directed <laughs> the guy who directed Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp is there. Um, Ryan Coogler's there. It's really interesting. It's about a half hour. Um, it. I that to me was one of the best parts of that purchase. And this was the the digital. Yeah, the yeah. digital. So I gotta think it's gonna be on the DVD or Blu-ray. Well, but that could be a digital exclusive if they want to try and get people in that direction. Maybe. I'm curious. We'll we'll see. We'll see because I'm not I'm not buying the digital. I'll, I'll be buying the the Blu-ray. Well, we'll compare notes. We can. We can. But I I was definitely. I mean, I was kind of on the fence. Twenty bucks is kind of a lot. No. Maybe. I mean, it's frivolous for sure, but I I was like, okay, this is worth purchasing. Well, and and for me, that would be kind of a lot as long as I wasn't going to double dip. Right. You know, but if it's I mean, if if it's the one time purchase that you're going to do and use and watch, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's very comparable to what you'd be paying for a a DVD or Blu-ray. It's just for me, the way our viewing habits work, uh, it's. You know, physical media is, is still my my preferred method of, of right. purchase. So, right, I've I've been waiting, <laughs> and, <laughs> and you will wait. And a I will continue. Bit yes, I think I think it's next week, right? I don't know. I I'm not in a hurry to buy it though, because I'm not in uh-huh. a hurry to rewatch it. Uh, I know my kids will want <laughs> to rewatch it before we watch the next you know the next one. Um, well, that's not until March, so right? Right. So I have plenty of time. <laughs> I can keep an eye out for some sales. You know, I'm I'm not going to buy this night of day of. There's some big shopping days between now and then. You'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, there were a couple releases. I, I really can't remember off the top of my head right now which ones where I was, you know, there, you know, midnight <laughs> and and just ready to, to get it right away or, or there the next morning uh, because I wanted to get it and have it and, and watch it with my kids you know, as soon as possible, but that's because they didn't see it in the theater and they were still mm-hmm. waiting to see it. Uh, they've seen it in the theater. I've seen it twice. It's a long movie. I'm ready to, to wait it out a little bit and then, and come back to it. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll come back to it. I wanted to see, I wanted to see all the, the special features. I wanted to see the, the featurettes, the making ofs. I haven't bought a DVD or digital release or, you know, VAM stuff value-added material and forever so this is the movie i wanted to see all that on yeah all right you want to talk about the episode now i do let's talk about colony collapse so there's a couple different things going on here that are that are kind of interesting and it gets into some of the mcu world building in some ways kind of almost interesting i got some bones to pick Though, oh, okay. I was going to ask if you're Tigger and you're not. <laughs> I'm, I was Tigger. You were? When I realized what they were starting to do. And let, maybe we should go there first. You, you want to talk about the divine pairing right away? Sure. Okay. So the divine pairing, which uh, Avita's auntie has said, you know, one must live, one must die. Uh, two men go in, one man comes out, uh, which... <laughs> By the way, I just watched a uh, comedian uh, couple. They're they're married, and a lot of their comedy shtick is about marriage and stuff like that. And it was the funniest thing because they're talking about how awesome marriage is, 
and they're talking about the vows, the marriage vows, and they get to, you know, till death do us part. And they're like, see, marriage, it's not just a vow. It's a competition <laughs> because you know, only one of you is going to come out of this alive and, <laughs> or two go in and one comes out. And that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It, you it, know, is, just, it is a competition. It, it's a, you know, dark note maybe to think about. <laughs> but on the other hand, I love the idea of, you know, uh, only one of us is coming out of this alive. And <laughs> So it may take 60 years, but only one right, of us right, is coming yeah, out alive. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So the divine pairing, one must live, one must die. Right. And, and then we get some of the background to that. The, the background of the divine pairings, uh, there's four, which feels a little less epic than what they were making it sound as they're talking about. This is the way it's been since stories began. Uh, but that's when I realized what they were doing, I thought, oh, this could be really interesting. And we could, you know, I wasn't expecting Marvel comics characters to show up, you know, historical characters, but I was thinking, oh, we're going to get some really cool, you know, powers maybe, or, you know, divine pairings. And, and what we get is we get a really sad story of, <laughs> to uh to choctaw native american children and there's a famine and they're the ones that they they've survived they're healthy and one of them commits a sacrificial suicide and walks into the water and dies and then the famine ends <laughs> so then i'm thinking oh this isn't quite what i was expecting with this stuff um but okay okay (laughs) so then the next flashback is um to a duel did that look like the duel from several episodes ago in uh ty's sort of dream state absolutely okay okay um and i think that they did that on purpose but I also think there's some leeway in them doing that on purpose. It could be referencing that one, but it doesn't have to because there was, you know, a lot of duels back in that day. I mean, it was it was a duely time. Yeah, yeah, duels. It's just what you did, you know, <laughs> to enter one one leaves. Um, and in this case, uh, it was brothers, and there's going to be rain. And they go to do the duel and the one brother purposefully doesn't load his gun. So the other brother shoots him and wins the duel because it's again, kind of a sacrifice kind of thing and kills his brother. And and what was it preventing? The rain then didn't come and New Orleans was oh. saved. Like and so now I'm I'm scratching my head a little bit. And and so I'm glad we're starting here because I'm I think we're starting on a negative note. That's for me anyway. But you know, there's positive notes to come. There's there's a lot of positive in this episode, but this is where I'm just kind of scratching my head like, "Well, wait a wait a wait a minute. That doesn't feel it doesn't feel like anything that they did really affected or was meant they to affect 
what was going on. Yeah, they didn't feel like they had it didn't feel like they had any sort of like direct they didn't do anything to make it happen. Yeah. They just like the girl okay, so the Choctaw children, it felt like she the the one knew exactly what she was doing and she said, If I walk into this thing and and die, the famine will be over. Yeah. Or and, it's going to help somehow. Yeah. Right. But these two guys one just made a sacrifice. Yeah, and it just happened to be as a storm was rolling in and then it didn't roll in. Right. Because of what they did. And and you know, to be fair, listener, dear listener, if we've missed something, call us out on it. This is one I would love to be called out on because right. uh now I do think there's a tie-in to some of the stuff that happens as far as the prophecy of the one must die kind of thing um because right now there is a pattern and the pattern is sacrifice so right the, but 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 without it meaning anything or without them having some sort of like specific duty in this saving of new orleans all it, it is is they reused the set from before and the costumes, you know, and the costumes and that and that doesn't make any sense. The, yeah, this. So this one confused me. Uh, so the third one is during the Battle of New Orleans, which we have had again. We've we've heard about this before already, uh, which in some ways, nice callback, you know, because mm-hmm. that was this bit of history is a true bit of history. And it was used well with uh, with Delgado and Tyrone. And it was then used here where uh, the treaty has been signed. A soldier, it's a, it's a runner carrying the message. And, you know, it reminds me of, of like the, the Greek runners who, you know, would have to carry those messages by hand and they, they'd run the marathon and drop dead at the end of it kind of thing. But they're bringing that good news. And he has this good news that the, the treaty has been signed. The war is over, but the fight continues and so he comes running in, carrying the message, and randomly this lady is there, and she picks up the message from him and runs to deliver the message and stop the war. Right. And and what I like about this one is that it's it is two separate individuals. It's not like they're paired from birth. You know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. like they dated. It's not like they were husbands and wife he runs in dies she picks the thing up and runs out like they are just two separate people who happen to be connected in this one moment yes and again he's done this i mean he's pushed himself to the point where he is going to die and again so we have a a kind of thematic thing going on of of sacrifice and so it's a pattern and i i wonder how much of what uh, Avita's auntie was saying was just here's the pattern so far in these four divine pairings in mm-hmm. every situation one dies one lives and so it's going to happen again here one will die one will live uh, so then we're in so that's 1812 so we're at the beginning of story with the gir- the kids 1790s uh, and then 1812 and now we're moving into um early 20th century, I think it's 1918 ish. Um, 
and it's the Spanish influenza is rolling in. There's a doctor who um, gives a transfusion. He's immune to the flu. He gives a transfusion to his lover, but then everyone in the room is healed and he dies. And so, I think, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's important to note that he gave a transfusion to his uh, lover who was a male. It was a, it was a homosexual couple. It's a gay couple. And the, that's a throwaway type of thing, but it's a thing that I think is important to, to call out. Well, I think it's important to call out. This is the only one that feels supernatural. Yeah, that's true. And, and so I was, when I thought I knew what they were doing when this episode started, I thought we were going to get four stories that were similar to this one where you have these four kind of low key, not low key, but low key, (laughs) uh, you know, situations where this guy kind of has a superpower kind of because, because of his sacrifice where he dies. Yes. His lover lives, but also everyone in the building somehow gets gets immune and 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 they they survive that just felt more like what i was expecting where it was people doing things that were about the situation they were in and almost a a little slight bit of superness to it which have you ever read the uh the the marvel 1503 is it called 1503 1603 1603 yeah. where it's it's like uh the the superheroes in the 1600s and yeah how does uh, that what does that look like yeah and and that's kind of what i i think you were looking for well <laughs> maybe i i was really more just looking for here is a kind of almost not quite because we don't want to diminish the superness of cloak and dagger right so i wasn't expecting you know four versions of cloak and dagger but just once i realized from the beginning of the episode oh they're gonna show us these things and then i start seeing them it just wasn't what i expected and and that's um and and that's a complaint that you know everyone makes or Mm -hmm. lots of people make you know when they watch something and Hey, that's not what I expected it to be. So it must must be crap. Well, that's that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I'm just saying this kind of surprised me, and and I, I kind of wanted it a little bit more. I also found it interesting only four because you know, we've seen these dolls uh, since the beginning, but I thought there was more dolls, and and I might be. Well, like, what's what it's really interesting now that I'm actually thinking about it for a second is it's all in times of great trauma for uh the city of new orleans you know what they don't mention i know this is what i was gonna say go ahead they don't mention hurricane katrina no and and he's talked about they have both talked about the hurricane and the flood and being from the ninth ward and blah you know all of these things that that have impacted that city specifically that city um in recent memory so I, I find it interesting that Auntie doesn't have a story to go with with Katrina. In my mind, there's there's two possibilities for why not, though. And the first possibility for why not is that Tandy and Tyrone were alive during Katrina 
and were a divine pairing for this moment. Hmm. And so I wonder if, if that has something to do with, you know, Katrina didn't need a divine pairing, but this did. So Katrina had to happen in order for this to be saved. That's interesting. Yeah. Katrina happened the way it did because instead of having its own divine pairing, the divine pairing was kind of saved up for this, for this one. It's like when you put away money in savings in case your car breaks down, you know, you're not going to spend that money on this other thing. And then when your car does break down, you're like, well, no, I can pay for this out of cash. I can pay for this, you know, on my, on my paycheck. And then you're waiting for the big one. (laughs) Yeah, I guess you're right. But (laughs) which is, which to me is very interesting because I would think the big one <laughs> would have been Katrina. Right. So it makes me wonder what you know happened at the end of this episode. How does that compare to Katrina? It doesn't feel as big as it could. No. But that, I think that was a TV budget thing. But it's definitely – I mean zombie apocalypse, that's, that's bad. That's bad. And it was sure. getting bad. We only saw where our main characters were. But the implication is there was a lot more of this spreading around. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other reason why they may not have chosen to, and this is a, a, a real world reason, uh, is that, you know, Katrina is real and real fresh. Right. And, Still. and does it get diminished by telling a story about Katrina with, you know, made up Marvel characters? And I, given that constraint, I think they did it very well. If, if what we're sort of deducing is is correct or even plausible, right? I think that that's a good way to handle it because what you're saying is, yeah, it doesn't maybe doesn't look like it, but use your imagination. This is the worst thing to hit the city of New Orleans in a very long time. And if it had happened, if they didn't do what they did, it could have been much much worse because of the explosion that was going to happen. Like they staved off the real bad situation. We didn't see the real bad situation because they succeeded. Right. Right. But that's me. That's that's me adding my own two cents into this. Uh, I have not seen or read anything from anyone on the production team about about Katrina. And uh, I like that they are honoring the reality of the history of the place where they're making this take place. And I feel like it would have been a little dishonoring if they might have gone there with the, with a fictional Katrina situation. Right. And, and I think that's good. I mean, because they, they've honored the city of new Orleans very, they've done, they've done well by the city of new Orleans in this show. They have portrayed it accurately. They have portrayed it, um, not in a way that diminishes the city, but in a way that celebrates the diversity of the city. Um, and so I, I appreciate that. And the divine pairings then are again, peeks into the, mm-hmm. the past of, of this, of the city. And I, again, this is just me. This is the, the Monday morning quarterback. This is the, mm-hmm. my mind is, is going with the possibilities uh, you know, cause I, I like to write stories. I like superhero stories. I like that stuff. Uh, but that's also me who is not a showrunner <laughs> on, 
you know, a network television. I'm a, I am, I can say this now, a showrunner on a four part audio drama. <laughs> you know, but congratulations. But I, yeah, thanks. It was a lot of fun. Um, of course, when I say that, it, it was a audio drama I'm producing myself with Evan. Uh, so it's not like I, it's not like I was brought in to do the thing by the people. I am the people doing the thing and bringing in the people doing the thing because I'm the people along with Evan. As long as, yeah. as long as you don't wear the shirt to the thing, you'll be fine. Oh, I did not. I did not. Mainly because there are no shirts for the thing. Uh, <laughs> there you go. It just is its own thing. So, uh, okay. So that said, that there's there's positives there's negatives here it's a net positive in that we get to see some history and we get to see what they meant by the quote-unquote prophecy of one must live one must die there's two things happening here and we'll talk about the second one in my mind about about this prophecy but the first thing about this prophecy is i don't think it's a prophecy um i think that this is her uh, this is auntie extrapolating from observation she has special knowledge, but the special knowledge is that, yes, there is a divine pairing. I don't think the special knowledge is that this divine pairing, definitely one is going to die as they're a divine pairing. But right. there's more to talk about once we get to the end of the episode about that. Right. So, yeah. So should we talk about Tandy and Tyrone now? Because <laughs> they are the important ones in this this divine pairing. Uh, oh, we didn't talk about the music though. So the music, oh. the music in each one of these is "Come Sail Away," right? But done in a period appropriate uh, instrumentation, which um, was pointed out to us by uh, Samantha. Mm-hmm. She she mentioned, "Hey, did you notice this?" And I hadn't noticed it. Uh, and then I went back and specifically rewatched those parts. And I was like, oh, wow. How did I not notice this? I love this song. And yet I didn't even notice. It's a it's, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting choice for that song. That song is an interesting choice for that for for over those vignettes. And I have no sort of reasoning as to why. Like, I can't. <laughs> wrap my head around why they chose that song. Well, you know, let's take a look at the song. Um, it's, <laughs> it's classic rock, right? And I love this song. I yeah. love this song. It's great. Uh, the lyrics are, I'm sailing away, set an open course for the Virgin sea. I've got to be free, free to face a life that's ahead of me on board. I'm the captain. So climb aboard. We'll search for tomorrow on every shore and I'll try. Oh Lord, I'll try to carry on. And then carry on. <laughs> I look to the sea reflections of the waves to spark my memory. Some happy, some sad. I think of childhood friends and the dreams we had. We lived happily forever. So the story goes, but somehow we missed out on that pot of gold, but we'll try best that we can to carry on. A gathering of angels appeared above my head. They sang to me the song of hope. And this is what they said. They said, come sail away, come sail away, come sail away with me. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, I thought that they were angels, but to my surprise, they climbed aboard their starship and headed for the skies singing, come sail away, come sail away, come sail away with me. So I, I think you could make a 
case that the lyrics have some sort of bearing on what's going on. Uh, but I think you could also make a better case that it's just a really cool song to put the climax to. I will agree to both of those because <laughs> I can't make a case for it at all. The, the Gathering of Angels, they sang the Song of Hope. I mean, you could say there's an idea there of like, are the divine pairings maybe meant to be that? I, I don't know, but they do, you know, come sail away with me, cloak, dagger, Tandy, Tyrone. They go together, mm-hmm. you know, which I, I guess, you know, what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to go there. Um, I think that in some ways they broke the prophecy by not letting it be a single sacrifice. So the kids, the girl goes in the water, the boy watches her go, lets her go, and then turns around and leaves. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder what would have happened if he had gone in with her? Mm. You know, and I say that because of what happens with Tandy and Tyrone. That's different. Uh, and the other situation with the duel the one brother chooses to make the sacrifice. I'm going to, I'm going to throw the duel. <laughs> Could he have made a, maybe a different sacrifice in, <laughs> in like saying, you know what? We're not going to fight a duel. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, let you have your honor and I'll take the dishonor and we'll, we'll not fight the duel. You know, that might be a, may, maybe a better way or both brothers could have said, okay, we're not going to do this. And would the storm have rolled away and they both don't die. I, I don't know. Right. Um, maybe the woman with the message, that one's a little different because there's, there's a time, a timeliness to this that needed to happen. But if she would have said, I'm going to get you help, you know, would they have both survived? I, I, I don't know. That's a little bit different where maybe she didn't have the opportunity to let him live. Um, and then with the, with the doctor and, and, and his, his thing with his, his blood, um, would there have been a way where maybe they shared the load after the doctor saves his lover? Would his lover be able to um, say, okay, well, now we'll both share our blood with, you know, or, or whatever. I, right. I don't know. But in each one of those situations, the person who dies, it was a choice. Now, it may not have been a choice that directly affected the situation, like the duel. <laughs> and, uh, but... It was a choice. One of them was going to die. And at the end, that's what Tyrone is planning to do. He's going to go in. He's going to open the valve himself and probably die. Although why he couldn't just teleport out of there at the last moment, I I don't know. But his intention was, I'm going to go in there alone. You're going to stay here. Avita told us one of us is going to die. Guess what? It's me. Well, he has that he has that uh, uh, predestination paradox thing going out going on, right? Yeah. So she said one of us has to die, so I guess it's got to be me. And and Tandy looks through that and says, "No, what does she know? I know that neither of us have to die." Well, it, or you're not going to die alone, you know. But right, because um, then the other thing that happens is every one of those people who died had some sort of band around their arm. Hmm. And so what happens here is Tyrone has the band around his arm. And then when uh, Tandy jumps in to help, 
she falls and gets a burn on her arm that's in that same spot. So they both have the band. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to get both uh, condemned to death because she chose to go in with him and they chose to do this together. They both survive. And and so that's where I think that they were able to change, either change the prophecy or go against the trend is by both of them saying, we're going to do what it takes to make this happen. And her saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let this happen. You know, you can try buddy to do the sacrificial suicide, but you know, forget it, man, I'm coming. She, she tells them that they, they don't trade lives in, in the style <laughs> of vision. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's, and, and I like that. I like that, that, you know, it's, it's, her choice it's his choice he uses his powers to get in there she uses her powers to get in there uh she cuts her way through uh with that uh you know weapon that instrument of of death but i i like it i i like that we we go in that direction and then they work together and the music swells and rises and yes lyrically how does this fit i don't know but the music and the visuals go well together yeah, it's definitely sets a really uh, interesting mood, and I like it. Don't get me wrong, because I do like Sticks. You know, come sail away. I do like that song. I just didn't know how it fit. <laughs> yeah, no, I. <laughs> it is an odd choice. I'm, I'm no argument there. <laughs> okay, so back earlier in the episode, um, we get to see the resolution of our cliffhanger, where uh, Water Lady was going to. Uh, kill mom at the count mm-hmm. of three and it's kind of uh, i guess irony that uh tandy's she steps in she's gonna you know try and take on water lady um but it's mom who stabs water lady with a creepy giant kitchen knife right dagger of her own if you would now that's a knife <laughs> That's the that's the first Crocodile Dundee reference we made on the show, I think. It's possible. <laughs> uh, entirely likely. But with so many episodes, I'm not going to go and check to see. No. I'm just going to no. hand it to you. Say you're, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so then Tandy has to leave to take care of her friends. And she goes and touches base with Mina and ends up helping Mina with the terrors that are chasing Mina. But um, there's a lot of pressure valves they need to open to make sure this doesn't happen again. They realize they can go to the main one, though, in Annex 616. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Oh, my goodness. This one exchange, we get a lot of uh, yeah. Marvel Marvel droppings here. Um, <laughs> Marvel uh, droppings. Yeah. Anyway, because um, Scarborough is there. And tells him how to get to the Annex 616. And then he says, uh, with great power comes more power. And in this day and age, you have to keep up the Joneses. As well as, as the Starks and the Rands. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that and that makes sense. And I'm glad that TV is starting to, to do stuff like that. Because, you know, they could have just said, well after the incident, we have to get more power. Right. And it's like, dude, 
it's not the incident. We all know what happened. There's a whole movie about it. There's a kid up in Harlem who's selling videos of it. Yeah, but this so, is this is a a name drop of the Rands, right? You know, and so this is the trifecta here, where you have TV mentioning yeah. in one line movies <laughs> and Netflix, because you kind of have these these different worlds. Now, the the TV world is right now kind of three different worlds uh, <laughs> with Agent yeah. Carter and Agents of Shield. And then runaways and this, but yeah, I mean, this is, Hey, we're going to, we're going to mention them all. And not only that, we're going to twist the, uh, the famous quote. And then if you're really stinky, you're going to hear a six, one, six reference, right? So we and the- you're going to think, is that the bus from, from <laughs> agents of shield season one? You might think that you might, yeah, and so we've got our mission now. We got to take care of these valves just like in the vision that they had where they were in Ivan's head and then she goes in Scarborough's head and she sends him into the hatch that Ivan was stuck in. So I don't know what's happening there with with Scarborough, but he is stepping in there and it does not sound good. He has to go in and press numbers in the computer, right? <laughs> Every time I see that hatch, that's what I think is going to happen in there. Yeah. And it doesn't cause he screams really loud, but I think that he's going to have to press numbers in or else stuff's going to shake. Yeah. Uh, so this is where water lady gets taken care of cause she gets attacked by terrors, but she may not be dead. She may just become a terror herself and then get fixed by it after the end of the episode. So we might see Water Lady again. I don't know. I don't know. If she becomes a terror and then gets fixed by it, you think she maybe have a change of heart? Why? I mean, you know. <laughs> Murder! <laughs> she's she's the, the water delivery lady who murders people. <laughs> you, don't just, you don't just change from that overnight. Well, I mean, maybe it could. I, I guess. I guess. I mean, <laughs> yeah, sure. If, and, we're, if we're accepting that this is a place where water cooler <laughs> ladies are getting attacked by terrors and turned into a killing rampaging zombie, then we can, I guess, accept that maybe she'd have a change of heart. We can. All right. Fine. Fine. Personal growth, not acceptable in the MCU, <laughs> but zombies that turn water cooler ladies. delivery ladies. <laughs> <laughs> into zombies yeah now daniel butcher he would he might argue that that personal growth doesn't happen in the mcu because uh he has some very strong feelings about tony stark but he's you know wrong happen he's wrong when he, but when he finally gets to this episode we're gonna hear about it in the chat we, <laughs> and we're gonna be like what? and we won't know what he's talking about he's gonna <laughs> right. say i do believe personal growth is possible no he won't he's Uh-oh. like yep oh and yeah like, that's what, what are you talking <laughs> there will be oh, no context man. So that's Tandy right now. Tandy and Mina running away from terrors. And then suddenly Mina is not with Tandy anymore. Why? Terrors. So Tyrone, on the other hand, he is running from the police. He connects with dad who gives him the cloak and then says, I'll help. We'll distract you. Go out the what? He turns around. Tyrone's totally done a Batman. 
except yeah. a little bit cooler than Batman because Tyrone is actually literally teleporting away, whereas a Batman lot. is just throwing out a smoke bomb and, and, and running away. A lot cooler than Batman. Yeah. Batman might be able to defeat Tyrone in a fight, but uh, Tyrone, when it comes to disappearing while people are not looking and then when they turn back, Tyrone's got he's got it. He's got the market that, cornered. I mean, when when dad was when dad was talking about, OK, I'm going to distract him. And you run away. I was like, that's going to be cool. And then it was cool. So I was happy. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's using his power and he's using Mardi Gras to kind of get away from the police. And he's walking in that cloak. And this is it. This is the MCUing of the comic book version of cloak. And I thought, wow, we're there. We've got it. He's got the suit. He's yeah. No, I'm what? wrong. <laughs> it's oh. he doesn't <laughs> because it gets all torn up and stuff. But uh, he comes across to Riley who just might be able to help him. Nope. They both get arrested because he won't use his power to get away when there's so many people around. Which. It goes against what he just did to dad, right? <laughs> well, but I mean, dad wasn't looking. Dad doesn't know how he slipped away. Yeah, but he, it's not like he makes a big crash boom. He just kind of turns and he's gone. Yeah, well, his parents are basically telling him run away. They know yeah. he's not guilty. So they're saying run away, run as fast as you can. We don't want to lose you. Um, but essentially, he, I mean, he's a cop killer now. He isn't, but he is seen that way. And he does not stand a chance. And and they recognize this. And so they're letting him go. They're letting him sail away. No, that doesn't doesn't work there. It doesn't work. <laughs> he and O'Reilly are not placed in, in jail, but they're put in a locker cage and they're not under custody, but they're under guard. And I think I said custody. <laughs> I want um, custard. No, they, they, they are. They are being um, they are not under custody because that would mean they would be put on the books. Yep. And if they're put on the books, that means that they existed. And if they existed, they cannot be killed. And they're going to get killed. That's the plan here. Uh, right. And so Tyrone can't use his power as they're you know handcuffed in this place. He can't use his power. He says he needs his cloak. He needs his magic feather, uh, which we'll get to in a moment, but he, so he tries to appeal to the humanity of a police officer who's guarding them. And he delivers this incredible speech. It's just an yes. incredible speech. Like the guy he says, uses this power of acting. Yeah. Well, the power of, of persuasion, you know, he, um, the guy calls him boy. He says, don't call me boy. My name is Tyrone. My parents pay taxes and it's your job to protect me. I, I get you're afraid. We all are. Most of the time, we have good reason to be. Right now, I need you to find a reason to be just to protect us. You took an oath, and right now you have our lives in your hands. Understand that power. And it almost works. It's going to work. And another guy comes in, and the first guy's like, yeah, you watch him. I'm getting out of here because right. Connors <laughs> is on his way. Uh, just a great moment. And Tandy actually gets a little bit of a moment similar moment uh, with with Tyrone uh, with a speech. But in this case, he he turns it on and it is it is a persuasive speech. 
because of delivery, but it's also a persuasive speech because of content. I mean, it's, it's truth, you know, it's, it's, he's not just saying words that would convince someone. He's saying words that are, are true and real and unfortunately ignored. So they, they're stuck there. Connors comes, reveals the plan that you mentioned. Uh, they're going to make it look like Tyrone killed O'Reilly. And then of course the cops all had to kill him. As they get ready to take them away to do them in, the terrors come, and we have full-on zombie apocalypse attack, assault on Precinct 13 kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> it is bad news start to finish. There's awful things happening. But through it all, Tyrone gets his cloak, teleports away, teleports to Tandy, and helps non-lethally with a taser take down Mina from getting to Tandy because Mina is a terror now. Did you feel like you were watching The Walking Dead? A little bit. A little bit. And that's okay. I think that this the zombie apocalypse kind of thing that we see happening here uh, with, with the explosion is going to make more and more people become like this. And I think it's a worthy disaster. Let's put it that way. Uh, and it's a unique disaster in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I like it. I, I like the way it it's used here. And, and now New Orleans has its own kind of supernatural incident that they can refer to on other shows. We're like, Hey, you know, the, the incident in New Orleans. <laughs> what is that? The incident in New York? No, no it's New Orleans, the other new place. <laughs> New Jersey? Are you talking about Jersey Shore incident? Yeah. No. <laughs> it, it's also small, like. Okay, so the Avengers incident, you know, the 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 Chitari coming down from space and Tony flying a nuke up and all that. That was a big deal. It was like the biggest thing until Ultron dropped a city on the planet, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. But each of the other movies have had smaller incidents, you know, like Ant-Man, you know, those, those are, that was a big, like there was lots of explosions and buildings and booms and all that sort of stuff. Um, or, or civil war, right. That lots of stuff happened in that, but they don't refer to them anymore. I, I think that this would be sort of in like in line with that. (laughs) Yeah, I, I totally think so. I think it's the kind of thing where if, you know, depending on how Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. plays out uh, with their next season, I think that that's the kind of thing where they w- could mention. Yeah, we had zombies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, New Orleans did have, have zombies, too. You know, or, I don't know, something like that. Something yeah. like that. Along with that, it's interesting because remember, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. tapped into the fear dimension. And, mm, yeah, you know, so there's the idea of is this the same thing that they're digging up in Runaways? You know, there, there's, you know, maybe, maybe not. Uh, same thing that um, they're digging up in, in Iron Fist. Uh, you know, not really. But the the same thing that, you know, maybe they're tapping into the fear dimension with with uh, this this oil rig and and what they found there. That that'd be interesting. They could uh, make a tie in there. And you know, wh- whoever knows fear burns at the man things touch and we are have, we have swamps around here. I'm just saying that they, 
they could bring man thing into this, but they're not going to, but they could. Yes, they could. Yeah. Ben, yes, they could. Yeah. I'm not going to say another thing about man thing in this episode. <laughs> uh, let's see. So from here, then uh, Tyrone's cloak is torn up and he's told you don't need your feather to fly. And what she specifically says is you are Tyrone freaking Johnson, baller lady killer, master of space, if not time. And you don't need a cloak for all that. And then she gives him, uh, you don't need a cloak, but how about a hoodie sweatshirt? I thought that was pretty cool, by the way. It's really cool. She, <laughs> I like that she calls out, this is the first thing I ever stole. Right. And so I was actually thinking about that going back to a few episodes ago when I was questioning whether or not that phone was the first thing she ever stole. Uh-huh. And no, it's the second, second. thing she ever <laughs> stole. Yep. And and so he says, why didn't you ever say anything about this? And she's all, I needed it. And then he's like, but now and she, she's all and now you need it, even though you don't need it because, you know, he, he doesn't need the feather to, to fly. Uh, he had the power all along. But um, yeah, so that's that's part of their her pep talk to him that gets him going. Uh, in the meantime, Evita has come and has told him in the process here, one of you is going to die. And she again says to them throughout history, since stories began, it always came down to the two people, the divine pairing. Yep. So that's the call to action. And we are getting the birth of our heroes. Last episode, we went through the hero's journey. We talked about rebirth this episode, we're getting that rebirth. They have a mission. They're answering the call to action. They're going to do it. Now, you know who's not answering a call to action and to be a hero? And that's Connors, who just straight up shoots O'Reilly and pushes her into the waters. And then he goes and confronts Tyrone and Tandy. Tandy cuts his gun in half with her dagger and Tyrone teleports him to the roof of a nearby building, dangles him off the edge. There's a little bit of a give and take, you know, are you afraid? Cause you should be. And then, uh, when Connors goes after him, he gets absorbed into Tyrone's yeah. darkness. That's going to be interesting to see if that ever plays out again, because, okay, they got absorbed into the darkness, but, were they, I mean, are they dead? No, in the comics. Uh, so here, who knows? Right, who knows? exactly. Because this feels like, again, feels like, we, I just need to rewatch Agent Carter. But it feels like what happened in Agent Carter, where you had that right. that dark energy, and it, it totally, you know, just killed people and pulled them in, you know? And so is that what's happening here? In the comics, there was this dark dimension that he had access to. And so they go in and then sometimes they would come out and he would like have drained the light from them because he mm -hmm. needs living light. And, but there's like, again, I, it's been a long time since I've read these and I need to reread now the next, the next volume. Um, But there's, there's a dark demon within, you know, it's kind of the guy who's in the realm, you know, and, and, you can go in and come out and you'll depending on how long you're in there, you'll be okay. Uh, but it's, it's bad news. <laughs> no matter what, it's bad news. 
I remember reading the Civil War tie-in for them, and I I have this vague memory of of like him cloak, you know, grabbing somebody, going away, going to another place, and and letting guy come back out. But guy was a little like you know mentally disturbed at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um. You- so that's I mean that would be really interesting if they ended up doing that to Connor, where cloak says I want to kill this man. You know, but I'm going to uh, have him live to the pain. I'll make, you know, he'll keep his perfect ears. But um, (laughs) but everything else is going to be he's going to be he's going to be nuts. Right. Well, I because the other thing happening here is he doesn't know his powers. He doesn't know how they work. And so when this happens here, he I, I totally see in season two, season three situation where he himself will go into the darkness or Tandy will go into the darkness and there might be, because by then maybe there'll be a couple more people this has happened to. And, and those people might be in there just being drained, you know, and, and then it's, well, how do I use this? Should I use this? That kind of thing. We'll see. We'll see. So speaking of his powers, he realizes his power allows him to get to the main main <laughs> valve uh quickly and so he's going to be the one to die and he has a wound on his arm which is something that happens you know so he teleports into the building to shut off the main main uh, <laughs> but she cuts her way in refuses him to let him be the sacrifice together they can counteract the energy release from the drilling together and so we see them releasing power and they hold hands and the song rises and and their powers go up into the sky and it looks really cool. And the song's really awesome and they're doing it together. And the explosion that's going to set off, you know, all the people to be um, turned into those crazy terror things. They are able to cut it off and it doesn't happen. And almost happy ending. Tyrone goes and lives in the church because he's still on the run as a cop killer. And he's making himself at home in her old home. She's at home with mom. Roxanne is in the headlines because this whole situation is bad for them. And that's the end. Kind of. And then it ends on a shot of the Superdome, which I don't understand. I don't know. That's (laughs) that's, yeah. It's a famous building in the city. Yeah, it'd be like ending Ooh. on a shot of uh, you know the Statue of Liberty. Oh, oh, okay, I see or, what you're saying. Or Stark Tower. It's a, it's a, it's an establishing shot. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking about this. If if Man Thing, and I'm going to mention it now, if Man Thing <laughs> were to show up in the MCU, having him be sort of like a a, a voodoo thing, something to do with voodoo ness would not be a bad way to go. Well, he has something to do with, um, you know, science and magic and, uh, swamp and, and fear also. Right. And, and voodoo is kind of a science. It's, it's not science in that we know, you know, science, normal science, but it has sort of this, um, analytical quality to it right where you you do a thing and you get an expected result um and so and then the magic and then the fear-based and then the swamp stuff this is kind of the, its idyllic setting 
Yeah. Well, and basically, you know, O'Reilly gets Man Thing's origin in some ways, you know, where she is, she has the terror within her. Mm-hmm. She's killed and dropped into the swamp. And then she rises up out of it. Um, and that's our, that's our post credit. She's supposed to come back as ma'am, right? Yes. Yes. And Connors actually has a, a line where he, he's talking about that plan. And he's like, it's, it'll be mayhem O'Reilly. And yeah. And yeah. And so they're, they tease, uh, you know, season two cloak and dagger. It'll be mayhem. And then they show like these claw marks going across the screen. Uh, in this kind of teaser thing that they did. And, and that's her power is she has these kind of nails. She, um, scratches your skin and then she has this toxic toxicity coming off of her that, you know, causes you to be poisoned. And that's, that's a setup for season two, but that's a post credit setup. So that doesn't count when we're talking about, you know, how effective as a season or a series finale would this episode be? Yeah. They're setting up mm. that that's going to be a part of season two, but it's post credit, you know, post credit teases what could come. And, you know, there's still post credits that they've teased from the Marvel universe that they still haven't fulfilled yet. Uh, I was talking with someone yesterday about Dr. Strange and like, are, is, is Dr. Strange ever going to get his own you know sequel? And if he does great, the stuff they set up, in the post credit for Dr. Strange can happen. But if not, I mean, the, the, every time they have a post credit that never gets expanded upon, you know, that stuff's out there happening and they can touch on it. If yeah. they ever need to, they can come yeah. back and be like, Hey, by the way, but this is not a, Hey, by the way, this is a, it's what's going to happen. <laughs> so, right. Uh, so that's our, that's our post credit here. And yeah, so I, I think we covered everything that, that I was thinking of covering. We, did I miss anything for you? Not that I can think of. Okay. Well, we do have one uh, piece of feedback here. One piece of feedback. One piece of feedback. Although I also need to do a thank you. Let's see if I can find that. Thank you. Because we did have a review on iTunes that we need to thank someone for. Sweet. Yes. And it's not the one from Agent Kraut, although that was really, really nice. No, this is from uh, Marvel Girl or Marl Girl. Um, and just had she had some nice things to say. It's nice actually having a girl in the name so I can I know which pronoun to use for her. But, um, and, and we do appreciate what you had to say for uh, your, your review. It's a five star review. Again, we appreciate that, too. Um, yeah, so thank you so much, uh, Marl Girl, for for that review. We really appreciate it. And then, um, yeah, my friend and yours, but mostly yours, Agent Casey, uh, wrote in. And his subject line was uh, Cloak and Dagger podcast for season one, episode nine, and season finale episode. Hi, guys. Just wanted to uh, throw some stuff at you after listening to the podcast of episode nine. And then after that, some stuff from the season finale. So first from the episode nine podcast, you mentioned the possibility of crossover between Runaways and Cloak and Dagger. And I'll just throw out my theory or a possible connection that can make it happen. Again, the stuff Roxana's drilling. Could it be connected or even the same as what the pride was drilling for in Runaways? Hmm. Also, best Stanley cameo ever, at least in my opinion. 
And Connor's mysterious uncle. I love the idea of him being the kingpin, but as much as I want to be a Tigger about it, I just don't see it happening. Maybe it's the geography. Maybe it's lack of faith in hashtag is all connected. But I am Eeyore about that. Uh, and I would say this is me jumping in. I don't know if you could if you need to be Tigger or Eeyore on this. It's just an idea. And it has a comics connection that makes the kingpin cloak and dagger connection uh, an interesting prospect. So, I don't know. Are you, are you Tigger or Eeyore here, Stuart? Uh, let's let's call it rabbit. <laughs> sure. Okay. Fair enough. So I mean, I, I if it's if it happens, cool. If it doesn't, it's fine. Okay. Speaking of Connor's uncle, I wonder if that is the same person uh, Tandy's would-be rapist mentions as being connected with the police force. At this point, I forget the details. It also makes sense why it was Connor's that had the kid's ID and was pushing for O'Reilly to stop investigating. They can't just drop that thread, can they? Yes, they can. Yes, they totally can. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, Tandy's new drug, stealing hope from others. In a way, it makes sense. What greater high is there than newfound hope? Not that I have tested that theory with illicit substances, <laughs> but having hope is a mighty powerful thing. Now, on to the season finale. With great power comes even more power. I thought that was a really clever twist on an old classic. Is that considered MCUing that phrase? It struck me just how accurate Tandy is in throwing those light daggers with such limited experience with them. Is that part of the power or has she been spending all of her off-screen time with target practice? <laughs> and I don't know much about Cloak and Dagger in the comics, but I recognize that Cloak absorbing people into the void of his cloak is one of his comic book powers. And I admit I geeked out a little bit. Just remember, as you try to stay motivated to get through Defenders, Punisher, etc., <laughs> you got to keep up with the Joneses, not to mention the Starks. And the Rams. Peace out later. Bye, Agent Casey. Uh, yeah. So, MCUing of that phrase. I think I've heard it before. Yeah, they've used they've done variations on the phrase all over the place, um, mm -hmm. mainly because it is a piece of Marvel lore to to mess with and play with. So, and and it's almost to the point where it's in the in the you know it's it's in the zeitgeist of, of natural conversation now. I mean, I don't remember. I think I was watching Ready Player One, and they used it. Yeah. <laughs> There's that that right there, <laughs> sir. That was the or. <laughs> that, that was Ready Player One. So, um, <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> go ahead. I don't remember. I have something more happy to talk about. So good. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, we do have one more piece of feedback, and that is. Uh, just came in and it's from agent 084 and the subject is cloak and dagger 1.10 message. Woo. What a way to cap off wonderful first season. Let's get right into it. MCU TV is notorious for refusing to give us a time setting because that would be convenient, pleasant, other nice things. I digress, but they gave us one here. Mardi Gras 2000 and something. I'm saying 2016 for now. That's good to know ish. I've heard mixed opinions on the song choice toward the end of the episode, but I loved it. Cover songs are a weak spot of mine, so maybe I'm biased. Now, for the actual content, let's pour one out for Connors, who might be hanging out with Calvin Chadwick and a bunch of mice and 1940s Hydra members. At least I hope that's a solid connection. When he ambushed O'Reilly, I expected her to be like, dude, really? All this stuff is going on and you're still fixated on two episodes ago? Speaking of O'Reilly, the mayhem effects on her were really well done. She should be fun to watch next year. Did you notice she had a stripe on her jacket in the episode? What if Tandy wasn't even part of the divine pairing and it was O'Reilly's sacrifice that made the city? 
or that saved the city. It might explain how both Ty and Tandy could survive, but I'm not sure if I'd like it. Tyrone's cloak effect was great as well, and I'm glad they did that, even though I'm sad to see his brother's cloak go. Hopefully he can fix it, because I doubt the show can afford to give him a billowing, smoky cloak all the time. Love Tyrone's speech in the evidence lockup, and watching him and Tandy kick all the zombie butt definitely had me pumped the whole time. I sort of wish they had more of a big bad in the connection between Roxanne and Connors. Was Scarborough Connors uncle, or was there something... Or was there some other old guy scheming in the background, getting people off for murder and attempted rape? But hey, that's what season two is for, hopefully. This was a great origin story, and now they're ready for a bigger, more focused threat to come their way. Overall, this series surprised me so incredibly much that I'm tempted to call it the best Marvel TV of 2018. I don't think I can pick a bad episode out of the 10. Even the slow burn moments captivated me, and when they finally got a hold of their powers, I was cheering to my screen. Let's see if Iron Fist can do the same with 10 episodes. Not holding my breath. I guess that'll be the next time I email you guys, unless there's crazy news I feel like weighing in on. Given what's happened in the last few weeks, I wouldn't be surprised. Have a good rest of summer. And that's from Agent 084. And as usual, Agent 084, thank you so much for sending us that feedback. And um, yeah, we would love to hear more from other people and what you thought of Cloak and Dagger, what you thought of Runaways, and what you might think of you know, a crossover. And of course, the upcoming Defenders stuff. I, I just want to throw out a thanks to uh, Agent Trent, Agent Tazel, Agent Jeffrey, Agent Andrew for being Patreon um, supporters. We appreciate what you've done. We appreciate the way you've supported the show. We appreciate the way you're actually allowing us to be able to upgrade some website stuff that needs to be done so we can be compliant with, I don't know what it is even that's going on, but Google is changing some algorithms and how they are what websites are secure and if websites are not secure, they are not going to put them in search results and stuff like that. And so um, where I thought we were going to be doing a mini soundboard, I think we're going to be actually doing a um, trying to head off whatever Google is doing at the pass and, and doing what what's being recommended for podcasters to do. So I want to thank you guys for that. We do truly appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Uh, Stuart, do you have any, any final words? Nope. I am good to go. I want to also, but you know, thank everybody for listening and it's always fun to hear uh, feedback and um, I'm glad that, that people are enjoying the show. Yeah. And I also want to thank everyone for listening and uh, post credit. We're going to talk about something relevant to the interests of our listeners. Uh, not MCU. I'll give you a hint. We're going to talk about a couple things that have the word star in the title. Um, <laughs> but, well, it's, it's kind of newsy stuff, but relevant to your interest. Um, yeah. Certainly it, relevant to my interest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not relevant to everyone out there, uh, your interest. But uh, I do want to thank you for listening and thank you for believing in us. And, you know, people, people said it couldn't be done. You know, this podcast thing. It's not going to last past eight episodes. It's not going to last past 50 episodes. You know, uh, the, the whole podcast thing, it's just a lark. I mean, they've been telling me that my whole life. Yet here I am gabbing.
Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 17755-LEVEL7. You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven, or by following us on Twitter, where we are level seven pod. Welcome to level seven is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award winning and award nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh and succeed at noodle.mx. Stuart. Yes. Did you hear the news, Ben? Did I hear the news? Heck, I told you the news. You did tell me the news <laughs> that that season four of TNG is back. That 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 three month hiatus that we waited for back in the day has is all we have to do is wait a little bit longer and we're going to have Captain Picard back. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I mean, this is almost a what, 15 year hiatus that we've been looking for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, CBS All Access is planning a next generation era prime timeline Patrick Stewart led Star Trek series featuring Captain Picard 20 years later. And so. It's interesting because 20 years is definitely after Voyage or definitely after DS9. Um, and so that's kind of in like oh, it's, the Star Trek online realm. It's also you know? it's also after. Yeah, it's after the uh, the movie where Spock l- left the timeline to go back in time mm-hmm. to a changed timeline to stop the bad guy, you know, and so. Um, this is happening after Spock has done that. And have you have you read the comic tie-in to the uh, the first comic tie-in they did? Oh, um, to Star Trek. I think it was yeah. called Star Trek Countdown or something like that. Yeah, but. yeah, 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 yeah. Where where Jordy designed the bumblebee that flew the, that Spock flew in, yeah, and that's yeah. the ship that. Yeah, yeah. That's I loved that comic tie-in. So it's after that, you know. So I don't I don't know what's what they're going to cover. I don't know who other who, what other actors are going to bring in. Um, but it's it's very interesting because basically they they've said now um Star Trek we should be making more money off of Star Trek. <laughs> Why aren't we making more money off of this thing? Let's make a Patrick Stewart Captain Picard show. And the only thing that I'm worried about with that and the only reason I'm worried about this thing is because of recent lights over in another star universe. Um, it, this feels a little bit like the the fan tail waving the production dog. Yeah, we're gonna go with that. Um, it feels a little bit like the fans wanted. I want yeah. Prime Timeline Captain Picard. And so, what did Alex Kurtzman do? Let's get you Prime Timeline Captain Picard. Um, so Pshaw, that's what I say. Uh, it, it, that may be part of it, but honestly, if that's part of it, eh, what's wrong with that? <laughs>
No, and I don't I don't have a I don't have any problems either. The only thing I don't I do want I would love a return to the Space Hilton. Anytime you can tell like really interesting stories. You yeah. want brightly lit positive Star Trek. Yes. I do. Which I'm very curious where they go with this because the only thing they said is twenty years later, Picard's not the man you would expect him to be. Does that mean he's in a dark place and he's gotta get pulled out of it? Or does that mean he's he's oddly wearing this one mask with some cowls <laughs> on it and he's like I got a black cape on I don't know why I'm Picard like no Come but you on, know what this don't... reminds me of is next gen or not next gen the motion picture you know it's hey we're gonna catch up with our characters and they're in this different place Captain Kirk is an admiral he doesn't like being an admiral uh, McCoy is off being a hippie, a space hippie, and uh, beard. Yeah, and and Spock is getting rid of his human side, and and so the idea. Now, as much as people may hate the motion picture, but the idea of what they were doing there, I, I see that kind of happening here, and it's it's what we've seen with so many things. Hey, let's just pick up our characters in real time or close to mm-hmm. it, you know. And so Indiana Jones, he's aged. And we're in the you know the late fifties now, and it's that kind of thing. But the other thing is, then Star Wars has a live action series that's going to be on the Disney streaming service that John Favreau is in charge of, and that Star Wars series is going to be set three years after Return of the Jedi, and it's going to be ten episodes, and it's going to cost one hundred million dollars. One hundred million dollars, which is half the amount of money that it took to make last Jedi. But yeah, this is, this is a TV show and that's cool. Star Wars, return of the Jedi era. You know, I'm excited about that. Again, that's a little bit of, I I feel like that's fan tail waving production dog. Oh, I don't think so on that one. Not necessarily on that one, but I think to include it in being like, hey, by the way, by the way, it's three years after Return of the Jedi. You like Return of the Jedi. Don't look at the Ewoks. You like Return of the Jedi, right? Boba Fett. Boba Fett was in Return of the Jedi. You like Return of the Jedi. Hey, fans. I don't think so. I I feel like now it could be a Boba Fett series. I don't know, but um, I feel like there we got to find a time period that this fits. Mm hmm. You know, where's the time period? Where's the time period that we haven't done much with? And they're doing well, an animated series with the with the uh, not the rebellion, the resistance. You know, they're doing they're an animated back, series. They're bringing back Clone Wars. They're bringing back Clone Wars, and so here's a here's a time period where I was hoping they would they would go. So well, we'll see. I mean, to be honest, the first the first three, um, or maybe not the first three, but. Very three very influential books, the Thrawn trilogy by Timothy Zahn was takes place after Return of the Jedi, and though and Thrawn is now in the in the Star Wars canon, you know he's Again, in yeah, it for he's real back in it yeah for realsies this time even I mean because he was in Rebels right, so it that time period is a time period of flux. You know, in the galaxy, in the Star Wars universe, it's a time period of change. Um, it'd be perfect to set a t- to set a series. Yeah, and, and John Favreau was is a great person to to head that. You know, I I, I really enjoy his work. You might remember him from a little movie called Ant Iron Man, not Ant Man. That's different. Yeah. Iron Man. But the reason I would say this is not fan fan horse pushing the cart or whatever is he pitched this hard, and I guess he wrote multiple. 
scripts. And I don't know if it was like in the series or if it was like multiple pilots and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so that he could, but I think this is creator driven um, with the studio saying, Ooh, creator driven, but yeah, we like the money. Right. And, and, you know, John Favreau is, he, he is a big nerd. You know, and that's not a derogatory statement. I mean, he he is a fan of comics. He is a fan of genre. He's a fan of science fiction. Has been his entire career. All right. So the third franchise that's got the name Star in it. Yeah. Uh, Stargate. Yeah. Has nothing going on other than that they're <laughs> saying that they've got something going on, but they can't say what it is because they haven't signed contracts. Stuff right. like that. And, Have and- you... It, did, Oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna move on to another topic, so continue. Oh, okay. Did you ever did you ever look at that Stargate command? I looked at it, but I didn't do it. I did it. It's okay. It's interesting. I like that it has everything on it. You can watch whatever you want, whenever you want. Now, there's a lot of Stargate, so you're not gonna get your um, you're not gonna get your binge on. Um, and the players are kind of wonky, but you could you know you could cherry pick episodes. And yeah. it's got all the movies on it too, so that's kind of cool. But I've got all of those on disc. So you can cherry pick them too. Yeah, I can. I even have, uh, what was it called? Stargate. Oh, man. I haven't watched it yet. It's the animated series. What? There's yeah. an animated Stargate? Yeah, it takes place in the future. And it uh, it doesn't have any of the regular well, cast in it. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's... Not really well received, I guess, by the Stargate fan base. But yeah, so that's Stargate. And then my fourth favorite franchise with Star in the title, The Star Lost, which is that uh, early 70s Canadian sci-fi show that had one episode written by someone who was by profession a beekeeper. And that was the first thing they ever wrote um, and looks like. It looks like really cheap Doctor Who. Which is saying a lot. Saying a lot. Because <laughs> if it's really cheap Doctor Who, I mean, Doctor I, Who's pretty cheap to, to be in with. But I love it. Okay. I love it. Is there any news regarding the Star Lost? No. But I okay. wanted to bring it up just as a fourth franchise that okay. if, if you want to call one season of a kind of forgotten TV show, Canadian science fiction TV show, uh, a franchise than, than we can. But, um, so, so let me ask you this, mm-hmm. going back to the start to the star Wars. Um, what would this John Favreau series be enough to get you to sign up for the Disney streaming? I didn't need this to get me to sign up. I'm, <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I'm interested in signing up based on multiple factors. This would be one, possible factor right. uh just the disney vault is another right and then the possibility of a marvel show they've teased Which i've it. heard yeah. yeah i've heard little bits of rumors about it so okay so this picard show is this enough for you to sign up for our Cebus all access i will do the same thing i did before which is <laughs> i will sign up for it long enough to watch it so that means i will wait until a few episodes have come out and then i will jump in and then i will cancel and then I will jump back in, you know, Discovery season two. I'm going to do that for, but yeah. So, 
so I have heard a little I have heard a rumor about them wanting to have Star Trek on all the time. So they're you know, they'll put a ten episode series together and then when that's over they'll have another ten episode series. So there's always something new coming out. I don't know if that's gonna actually happen, but would that sway your your CBS All Access Man, interest? I, for CBS All Access, I'm gonna pinch my pennies. Yeah. Pinch my pennies. Pinch my pennies. Um, I don't see myself doing CBS All Access and just letting it run for a full year over and over and over. Um, but that's just because I'm only going to sign up for it for Star Trek. Right. Yeah. Disney might be a different thing because Disney, I'm signing up, but there's tons of stuff on there that. I and my family would be interested in watching in the same way that Netflix is right now. Now, Hulu, I'm only holding on to because of Marvel, because that's the only way to watch. um, For me, anyway, the only way to watch the reruns that and I was so glad Freeform stuff is on there so we could do Mm -hmm. Cloak and Dagger uh, and then Runaways is on there. And so if Hulu were to not become an access point for me to watch Marvel stuff, I would drop it, but it is. Yeah. And so I, I'm hanging on to it. Um, yeah. Does it have agent Carter on it? Yes. Well, last time I looked at it huh. and it has incredible Hulk. And so that's, fun. Oh. you know, that's fun to dip into every once in a while. Um, yeah. It's, it's got good Marvel stuff on there. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, hmm. that's my go-to for the Marvel stuff. That's that. Relevant to some of your interests. That's that. Relevant to some of your interests. Have a good night, Ben. You too. Later, man. Later.